Science Friday is supported by Dell. Seasons change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during Alienware Summer Sale Event and save on select next-gen Alienware gaming PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor, featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup. Exceptional prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Science Friday is supported by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. WNYC Studios is supported by MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink, software for technical computing and model-based design. MathWorks, accelerating the pace of discovery in engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. How does the body change after time in space? There's isolation and confinement. There's the microgravity environment itself. And our scientists are taking all that into account. It's Thursday, January 11th, but would you look at that? Today is Science Friday. I'm sci-fi producer Kathleen Davis. We hear it from astronauts all the time. Being in space aboard the International Space Station changes a lot of things in the body, from bone and muscle strength to mental health. As NASA prepares to visit Mars, the agency is launching a huge effort to better understand the physical changes that happen in space. We'll get to that conversation in just a bit. But first, we're revisiting a chat from last year about how a certain type of mushroom could boost brain function. If you're anything like me, you love a good mushroom, sautéed in a little butter on top of pasta or pizza. Mmm, mmm. You know, for centuries, a special kind of mushroom has been used in Chinese medicine for improving memory, the lion's mane mushroom. And now a study has confirmed what herbalists have long said. There are properties in the lion's mane mushroom that build brain cells. Could the mushroom help protect against dementia and Alzheimer's? Joining me is the co-author of the study published in the Journal of Neurochemistry. Dr. Ramon Martinez Marmel, research fellow at the Queensland Brain Institute based in Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to Science Friday. Thank you very much, Hera. Nice to have you. So, so you isolated brain-stimulating compounds. What exactly do these compounds do? First of all, we just put them on top of neurons, isolate neurons from the brain of mice, and uh, they start reacting so fast, and they start growing much more than in normal conditions. And that was the first astonishing result that we got. We got contacted by a company from Korea and uh, they had several compounds purified from this beautiful lion mane mushroom. 
I had to Google that the first time. It's like, okay, let me see. I mean, I love mushrooms, <laughs> but they haven't heard about that before. Yeah. And that uh, they sent them, uh, them and, and we, we set up uh, some uh, basic experiments to check the basic neurotrophic activity. And the results from the day zero were amazing. So you first tested it out in a Petri dish, the compounds. Yes. And when yes, you found yes, the definitely. ones that you thought were really work, you then fed them to the, to the mice. Yeah, that's right. And what happened? Well, the way it's done is uh, we set up some experiments, some behavioral experiments, try to check their memory, try to check their activity, if they were more active, less active, if they could remember a little bit more. So the, the way that those experiments work is you put an animal in the middle of a box with uh, two objects. The animal just start moving around and then uh, you change one of the objects, put the animal with a different one. And the animal, they have to show uh, more attraction for the new one. And this is a kind of classic behavioral test for recognition and remembering what is old and what is new. And what happens is that when we provide this compound, the animals show much more interest in the new objects. And that's a clear proof of increasing uh, in memory. Were you able to tell what was going on in the brains of these mice? Well, based on the in, on the in vitro results, we found out that we were enhancing what we call neurotrophic activity. So neurotrophins, they are molecules that our brain cells release. And this happens usually during growth. When our brain is formed, there's a lot of release of this neurotrophin, and that's what makes neurons grow and extend and reach their final targets. The neurons, they have to grow like very long distance and they do that through signaling molecules and through what we call neurotrophins that enhance that growth. So we found out uh, with the in vitro experiments that these compounds were working through a kind of neurotrophic-like activity. So in, in layman, in, how would you describe that in layman's terms? So it's kind of feeding the neurons. So the neurons, they have to grow. They have to feed themselves and they secrete substances that they are going to make them grow faster. Without those, the neurons don't grow, the brain do not, do not develop. There's lots of um, neurodevelopmental disorders associated with the lack of these neurotrophins. So it's something that the neurons, they produce kind of a, to, to feed themselves and to make them grow more. So the, the cool thing of the story is that somehow the compound that we isolate from mushrooms could uh, mimic that activity. I'm Ira Flato, and this is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. So it mimics the activity of, of feeding the neurons, and the neurons grow. Yes, this growing of neurons is something that happens naturally when we are growing. But when we reach my age, when we get older, that activity starts to stop. So the challenge of neuroscience has been to try to promote this growing activity, even in those periods where this is stopped. Like, for example, thinking this may be useful for dementia, this may be useful after a stroke, for example, to promote this regrowth of new neurons. And that's why we, when we found this activity, we start thinking ahead, like, okay, this is going to be good for in the future, maybe for Alzheimer, maybe for a stroke, maybe for other diseases. Um, when could we see this tested out in people? It sounds so promising here. Yeah, it, it's already happening in Korea. So we were collaborating to, with two universities in South Korea, and they already have started having uh, clinical trials in healthy people first, 
to check for this neotrophic activity. I mean, this has been talked about um, in herbal medicine, right? In folklore, and people have been using this for years, eating these mushrooms, believing it improves memory. You think you have justified those beliefs now? Well, based on, uh, on our data, yes. If we purify the compound from the same mushrooms and it has some positive effects on growing uh, neurons and enhancing memory, yes. But I think this is always the same. So there are lots of belief in traditional medicine, not from China, but from many other countries. And it's simply there's not enough research behind to try to purify those molecules and then know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, know in humans how many mushrooms people could be eating? Because I know when this gets out and we talk about this, there's going to be a run on this mushroom. The price is going to skyrocket, right? Yeah. So we don't know. So from, from the mushroom to the purified compound, uh, I don't know how many of these uh, compounds can came from one mushroom. If you eat one mushroom, I don't know how much of this compound is going to reach your brain, which was the second cool thing. So this is a lipophilic molecule, well diluted in lipids. All our cells, the, the membrane of our cells, what separate our cells in the whole body from the, the outside is a lipid bilayer. And one of the cells that have more membranes are the neurons. The amount of membrane that they have is huge and it's amazing. Plus the brain, it's covered by a membrane called the, the blood-brain barrier that prevents and isolates the brain from the exterior. And I'm calling the exterior from the inside of our body. It's very hard from the blood to reach anything inside of the brain. And that's the challenging thing for pharmacies to make molecules that can effectively pass through this blood-brain barrier and reach the inside of the neurons. And the cool thing is that that molecule is liposoluble, so that could go through this barrier and reach the inside of the brain very fast. And that was the second cool thing, that why we were so interested in this specific molecule. Uh, well, we will uh, keep in touch. Is that okay to find out how this is progressing? Yeah, of course, definitely. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Hey, and thank you very much for calling. Dr. Ramon Martinez Marmel, Research Fellow at the Queensland Brain Institute based in Brisbane, Australia. WNYC Studios is supported by Wondery, presenting Wow in the World. Hosted by Guy Raz and Mindy Thomas, Wow in the World is an adventure-filled cartoon for the ear podcast, all about amazing innovations in science and technology for curious kids and their grown-ups. Whether it's exploring the wows of slow-melting ice cream or why we get a brain freeze when we're enjoying a cold, tasty treat or even ways we can keep our planet cool, Wow in the World always has a new discovery that will leave the whole family saying, wow. And this summer, when you listen to Wow in the World, you can also hear weekly wow missions that will send you on a real-life scavenger hunt to discover the wows of your world. This summer, bring your imagination out into the world and find your wow. Listen to Wow in the World wherever you get your podcasts. Visit wondery.com slash summer of wow to find new episodes and to download scavenger hunts for the whole family. WNYC Studios is supported by the Natural Resources Defense Council. Using science, the law, and people power, NRDC is committed to confronting the climate crisis, protecting public health, and safeguarding nature. 
They address the impact of fossil fuels on communities and our environment. They help protect wildlife, public lands, and irreplaceable ecosystems that all living things depend on. They work to enact policies for clean air, clean water, and access to nature for all. You can help NRDC safeguard the earth for future generations. Visit nrdc.org WNYC for more information. This episode of Science Friday is brought to you by Shark Week, the podcast from Discovery Channel. Sharks have been the subject of lore and legend for centuries, and a lot of what we think is shark fact is actually shark fiction. On Shark Week, the podcast, uncover the scientific explanation behind some of the weirdest shark tales. Listen to Shark Week, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Science Friday is supported by Zbiotics. The team of PhD scientists at Zbiotics are tackling rough mornings after drinking with their new pre alcohol probiotic. This probiotic breaks down the byproduct of alcohol while you drink and sets you up for a great next day. Check out the cutting-edge technology for yourself at zbiotics.com slash Friday and use the code Friday to get 10% off your first order. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. That's zbiotics.com slash Friday and use the code Friday at checkout for 15% off. This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. You know, it's no longer just an idea in science fiction. It is possible that in our lifetimes, astronauts will go to Mars. NASA is doing a lot of preparation for this, of course. And besides the fancy new hardware, the agency also wants to better understand how our bodies are affected by time and space. We have heard anecdotally about this from astronauts over the years. Here is astronaut Mark Kelly talking about his experiences returning to Earth after a long period of time on the International Space Station. Well, your body has to readjust, even from a short-duration flight. You know, two days after you get back, you're incredibly sore. Uh, it's kind of like if you've never lifted weights before and then you went and did a bunch of squats you know, with a lot of weight. Kind of feel like that a couple days later. Your neurovestibular system's a little messed up, especially the first day. People have a habit as they turn corners of running into walls. So you can't drive a car for a while. Um, so your body has to go through this readjustment phase. And I think it, you know, to get back to 100%, it's typically about as much time as you hmm. were in space is wow. the recovery time. Astronaut Mark Kelly on the show back in 2015. NASA recently launched the Complement of Integrated Protocols for Human Exploration Research, more easily called CIFR. This is a suite of studies astronauts will undergo on the International Space Station, measuring everything from their bone health to brain function. Joining me to give us the scoop on CIFR is my guest, Sherry Obrey, CIFR project scientist in NASA's Human Research Program based in Houston, Texas. Welcome to Science Friday. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Nice to have you. You know, I wasn't kidding when I said there was a suite of studies that make up Cypher. Just how many <laughs> are we talking about here? Yeah, so there's 14 studies, 14 different investigations um, that are part of Cypher. Wow, oh, that's a pretty long list. Are there any that you particularly are interested in getting data on? Yeah, so the unique part of Cypher itself is that it looks across the whole human system. So the studies go from behavioral health to physiology to cardiovascular fitness, vision changes. So it's 
a wealth of information. So I don't know that I could pick just one, but really the whole of it and looking at the data um, to understand how those humans respond to space is probably the most exciting part. Sounds cool. We've had astronauts on the show before, like the twins, Scott and Mark Kelly, for example, Mm -hmm. who have told us anecdotally how space seems to affect them physically, like their immune systems changed as did their mental health. Are we going to actually collect formal data about these things? Exactly. That's the whole goal of Cypher is really to characterize how that body changes in response to spaceflight and understand where we need to provide some assistance and help for those longer duration missions. So those immune changes, how do those change and what can we do to help that crew um, for those missions? Mm -hmm. Now, I know that astronauts were already doing a lot of tests on their bodies while up on the space station. How much of Cypher is just building on the normal physicals that astronauts do and how much is new? Yeah, that's a great question. What we're doing is we're kind of leveraging all that normal medical data that's captured during the spaceflight operations, and we're, we're sharing that data as much as possible to minimize what the crew needs to do, but maximize the amount of information we're getting back and, and can analyze to be, have a better understanding. And those tests just won't stop when astronauts land back on Earth, right? Talk me through how some tests will continue when they are back home. Yeah, that, that's a really exciting piece. Um, for Cypher itself, it, it happens in, immediately when they come back to Earth. We look at some of uh, the neurovestibular changes and, and how the crew can function right when they come back to Earth. And then we follow that progression as they return to Earth and get back to normal and kind of get their, their land legs after coming back from space. Now, I know the project has recently launched. What are the first studies being done? Yeah, so right now, um, as part of Cypher, we're doing lots of different investigations. This week in particular, they're doing some blood draws that um, will give us some more insight into things like bone remodeling and um, immune status uh, and nutritional status, those types of things. So as we go through, we're going to continue to gather more and more data. One of the categories for study is vision, not something that first comes to mind for me when I think about astronauts. How does space change eyesight? Yeah, so that's great. Those low gravity conditions kind of shift some of those body fluids more towards the head. Um, And and some of this, that's a big area of research on how that shift causes um, potential changes in vision. So some crew have come back and had some, some changes in vision. And so what they're looking at is understanding what changes in the eye, similar to what you already get done when you go to the doctor and have an OCT or or, um, imaging of your eye. Does this does it revert back to normal once an astronaut is on land? Yeah, that the, they are tracking astronauts and looking. Several do. Some have um, some some long term things that they're following, but they don't have clear answers yet. Now, one of the things we always wonder about is some of the things you learn in science, and in particular through Cipher, could it be translated to health problems for us normal folks? Yeah, that's great. Um, A lot of uh, what Cypher does can be translated to the ground. Um, Great example are um, the bone measures. When when crew go in flight, they're not loading their bones like they do on the ground. Um, So they'll lose a little bit of that bone mass, which is translated to some of the things you see on the ground, like patients that have bone loss or osteoporosis. And the data collected in Cypher will be based on astronauts' time on the space station, but presumably... You'll want this data to inform possible trips to Mars, right? What, but what if the conditions are different? 
Yeah. And, and the kitchen conditions will be different, but there's going to be things that are consistent across those. There's isolation and confinement. There's uh, the microgravity environment itself. And our scientists are taking all that into account as they look at their data and extrapolate um, to those future missions. Mm -hmm. How long of a duration are you hoping to study? Presumably changes in exercise, for example, will, will be different after three months versus, say, a year. Exactly. Yeah. So Cypher is, is fairly unique in that it wants to look at the duration of change. So we're looking at some short duration subjects, the three to six weeks, uh, and then six month, which is that normal mission that we have up to a year. So we can create that curve and really understand how the body's changing. Yeah, because a trip to Mars is going to take more than, than a year, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to have to really understand how the trajectory is and make some assumptions going forward. You know, it's almost a cliche at this point that in movies about space, at some point an astronaut has a mental health crisis. <laughs> well, this is no doubt dramatized, right? Uh, I'm sure astronaut mental health is, is a big deal. Is, is part of Cypher studying that also? Exactly. Yeah, Cypher really looks to understand um, different aspects of, of behavior and, and functional changes. Uh, a great one is some cogn cognitive tests to understand how crew change throughout a flight to be able to do simple tasks um, on orbit. And when can we expect to get the first batch of data back from Cypher? That's exciting. We're all waiting to get more and more information. As these tests are happening, we're getting several uh, pieces of data back during the mission, and the scientists are excitedly taking those and starting to take a look at that. Um, hopefully, we'll have much, much more data uh, coming back fairly, fairly soon. I know we have crew that are coming home in the spring, and we'll try to put that data together, and we'll get that out to the public as soon as we can. Exciting. That's about all the time we have for now. I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. Very exciting. Sherry Obrey, Cypher Project Scientist in NASA's Human Research Program based in Houston, Texas. That's all the time that we have for now. A lot of folks helped make the show happen, including... Ariel Zitch. Santiago Flores. Dee Peterschmidt. Phyllis Samares. And many more. Tomorrow, we'll break down the biggest science stories of the week. But for now, I'm Sci-Fi producer Kathleen Davis. Thanks for listening. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.